We give you all the viral stories that are just about to drop. Just please, oh please, oh please, oh please don't let this flop. If you keep scrolling, 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 and you're never gonna stop, then please, oh please, oh please, oh please don't let this flop. From stupid songs and dances, all the cultural advances, we will cover them from bottom to the top. Just please, oh please, oh please, oh please, I promise you'll appease our please, oh please, you please don't let this flop. Hi, I'm EJ Dixon. And I'm Brittany Spanos. Welcome to Don't Let This Flop. A podcast about TikTok and internet culture brought to you by Rolling Stone. Now, we've talked a lot about TikTok moral panics. And just in time for the holidays, we had a really big one uh, just a few days ago. Um, You've probably read reports of schools shutting down due to reports of a viral challenge called, um, and I'm using challenge in quotes here, called Mm -hmm. National Shoot Up Your School Day, which supposedly warned kids not to come into school on December 17th. Brittany, did you see anything about this? I saw a little bit. I remember seeing a kind of trend, um, just like with like school shootings trending on, on Twitter, which is never a good sign. Yeah, it was super scary. I mean, tons of parents pulled their kids out of school. These are schools across the country. Administrators le- sent letters. There was a lot of news coverage. It was a whole thing. And mm-hmm. it was, it was you know, terrifying. Um, or at least it would have been, except it wasn't true at all. Yeah. It wasn't even a little bit true. <laughs> so basically what happened is the Department of Homeland Security said that there was no credible threat and TikTok released a statement basically saying that, you know, this wasn't a thing. It had exhaustively combed the platform for any examples of national school shooting challenges. And what they found were a lot of references to this supposed challenge. There were a lot of videos uh, warning kids not to go into school on that day, on December 17th, but nothing referencing the original threat. My school called and said there's gonna be a shooting on Friday and that there's gonna be cops all over campus. National shoot up your school day. Who in their right mind? A big question is why? Like why would this happen? Why would this challenge exist? Why would kids consider even doing such a thing as calling in, you know, fake uh, gun shooting, you know, school shooting threats, or maybe real ones? It's really a reflection of um, the amount of gun violence that's been going on in our school system. So where did this come from? So basically, according to Abby Richards, who is a researcher that we um, have talked to on the show before, um, there was a report from a middle school in Florida on December 14th. Um, This was the earliest example that she could find, according to this uh, Twitter thread that she posted. Um, and it was a school shooting threat on December 17th. Um, and what happened was that somebody from this specific middle school in question reposted it, um, to basically make the threat more specific, which is, you know, let's not downplay it. Like it's some scary shit, but that's one video at one school and it was investigated and ultimately deemed to pose no threat to the school. So like, how did this become a national thing that's causing schools to shut down across the country? Yeah. And so like how how wide like how widespread was it across the country? Like was there only just like a few schools or was it like a a lot of parents were were pulling it out? Massively. It was all yeah. over the country, you know, schools in Michigan, schools in Massachusetts, schools in, you know, West Virginia, like all over the country there were parents pulling kids out of schools, there were letters being sent to school boards mm. and people were covering it like pretty credulously. Yeah. Um like you know a lot of Pearl clutching editorials about like 
you know, the dangers of going to school this day and age, but there wasn't actually any danger posed. And, and as we've like talked about before, this is really not uncommon on TikTok. Like Mm -hmm. the speed of the algorithm makes misinformation share very quickly, particularly if it's incendiary like this. And and also if it's posed as a public service, um, right. Cause it's so easy to just put up a video and say like, Hey guys, you know, I'm just trying to like help out here. Like, please yeah. don't go into school on December 17th. Cause pe- people, you get clout and you also make yourself look really good by sharing this like safety warning. Right. Um, and that, and that shit goes really viral really fast. And we talked about this a little bit, um, with the moral panic over the devious licks trend on the first episode mm-hmm. of the podcast, um, which was when kids were pulling these pranks and stealing shit from school. And that wasn't really like a huge thing until the media inflated it. Yeah. And there was also recently the slap a teacher hoax um, where people were writing about how kids were, you know, challenging each other to slap their teachers. And ultimately that was found to not be happening either. And it was very stupid <laughs> and people need to learn their lessons about freaking out over TikTok. I really think this is all just coming from parents not understanding what TikTok is and how it works and journalists not taking the time to actually start TikTok accounts and vet these threats. Because if you take a look at the platform, like all of the videos that are trending about this were reacting to this. There was not actually any school shooting threats that I could find. Um, And apparently that the Department of Homeland Security could find either. Um, And Brittany, also, you should tell the story about your school shooting scare. Oh God! <laughs> On the yeah. podcast because it's insane. Brittany told it me this really last insane. week. It is insane. Okay, so the story behind it, and I've like tweeted about this before, and it went like, like way more viral than I anticipated. And everyone from my high school was just like, "Oh my God!" That was like the most traumatic day of our lives. Um, they started to implement this thing, and I can't remember if it was my junior or senior year where they were doing surprise drills, like surprise fire drills, surprise tornado drills. And of course, one of them was a school shooting drill, which we had just implemented at school in the year prior to this surprise drill happening. Um, It was a very brand new thing that schools were doing and practicing. And we had done it a few times before, planned out, but this was a surprise one. So there was a code that they did over the speakers, um, I was basically just like, you know, like Joe reports to the library. Like it was like some like made up name. I think it was like a made up like teacher's name. And my school is very small. So it was very easy to know that this was not a real teacher um, going to the library. And it was also very weird to get announcements in the middle of class. So they did that in the middle of class one day. It was like in the morning, I remember. And I remember like my teacher like looked really confused. And I was in the middle of like theology class. And like my teacher looked so confused. He was just like, okay. So we just like did the drill, like which was like hide, you know, in the corner of the classroom um, and like lock the door. And so you like the, if there's a school shooter, they can't see inside the window to see that there are students in there. And like my teacher is like an older man. He was really about to have a heart attack. He was freaking out. Everyone in the class was freaking out. We had cell phones. We were all like frantically calling our like, like our, we were trying to like text like our moms and like trying to like tell people that we were you know, we were just like, this is happening. And like, we were, you know, trying to just like figure out what's going on. Obviously, like, we didn't have like smart phones then. So it was really just like texting our family and our friends. And there was like, apparently they had hired actors to walk around the school. And like, with like fake guns, they did not tell anyone. So my school is run by nuns. The nuns did not tell a single person in the school who was not a nun that this was fake. 
our security guard who was armed had no idea it was fake. And so like the actor information came later that day. Like I learned about it during lunch because someone had seen our like security guard literally tackle someone to the ground. And then the actor was just like, I'm an actor. I'm so is that how it, every, that's how everybody found out it was actors? Yeah. It, I mean, we all found out later that was a drill because they like told, they basically announced it later. Like this was a drill, blah, blah, blah. And it was just like so traumatizing. You you have such a lawsuit on your hands. Like I cannot even tell you. <laughs> There's a lot of things we could sue our high school for, but that is definitely one of the big ones. That's so fucking traumatic. So don't do a surprise drill. At least tell the teacher. If you're doing a surprise drill, tell the teachers. That's the one fucked up thing. And I think there was a lot of issues with my school because we I went to Catholic school and the nuns lived on the campus. And so they kind of knew information and they wouldn't relay it to the teachers who were not nuns. Um, and so it was like always very weird. Um, the way information was relayed within the school. But yeah, it was it was fucked up. Don't recommend a surprise shooter drill in your high school. School shootings are no joke. Don't do a surprise shooting drill in high school and don't start moral panics about school shootings on TikTok. Yeah. Basically. So EJ, I know we have a, a bing bong update. Oh, we do. It's a very it's a good news one. For today. So can you please tell us what happened with um with Bing Bong and Joe Byron? So the Jonas Brothers have a real chaotic TikTok presence. We've talked about them before. And um, a few days ago, they came out with this video of them clowning around to the Bing Bong audio with a very special guest star at the end. You want to tell Joe Byron right now? What's up, baby? Take me out the day. Uh, do we get it? We got it. None other than Joe Byron himself. Mm-hmm. And I, Brittany, I don't know, like, did you see the reaction to this? Like, how would you sort of classify the reaction to this video? Oh, it was so cringy. I mean, I think the timing <laughs> of it, and I, like, I totally agree with it. Like, it's, like, such a cringe thing to do because the timing is so awful. First off, like, there, we just had, like, the entire White House make it seem like we were stupid for wanting at-home tests for free, which are now cost up to 40 or $50 to get, like, at-home rapid tests at a time when there's a huge COVID surge happening across the country. Like, the White House is, like, just ignoring the fact that there's, like, still a pandemic going on, making everyone pay back their loans at a time, again, when a pandemic is still going on. Like, it's just, like, a fully cringy thing to do. And, like, this video is so stupid. I hate it. I love the Joe's Brothers. I thought this was, like, a terrible video. But doesn't it make you happy knowing that the president knows that this guy in Coney Island wants to give him a big old kiss? Did he give money to him? That's a good point. Yeah. (laughs) Did he? Did he help him? No, he didn't help him in any way. That man was on the streets. You're right. You're right. I mean, okay, listen. I enjoyed the video when I thought it was just the Jonas Brothers mm-hmm. in it. I was like, oh, wonderful. I love the Jonas Brothers. Love them doing content together. I love their TikTok presence. And then Joe, it was like a jump scare at the end with Joe Biden. Like, I was like, I don't care for this. <laughs> I would have rather it been like Frankie. And that's it. I was I wondering know. why Frankie was not invited to the White House. Yeah, I mean... It seems like, tic- they, they, like they're, they don't know their TikTok audience because Frankie's like yeah. the biggest Jonas brother on TikTok. And it's also, I think that's the other thing that people are pointing out is like the video was about getting vaccinated, right? Like that was like the point, like the video was used as promotion to get vaccinated. And it's like, okay, the Jonas brothers aren't exactly the right 
people to reach out to different audiences to get them vaccinated. Like, this is like not the audience. Like, I don't know. It's like a weird sort of the Democrats think this is what like the youth wants to hear. Or <laughs> like, this is like the people that need to get vaccinated. Like, the Jonas Brothers are not targeting the audience they need to target to get more people vaccinated. Maybe 10 That's years the ago. Issue. They were like, they were evangelical, weren't they? But I mean, I think they're like, they're reaching. I don't think there's an issue with like the teens or the 20 somethings wanting to get vaccinated. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of misinformation being spread a- across black and brown communities and obviously through the red states to get vaccinated. Like, that's not the people that they need to reach out to. Jones Brothers fans are likely vaccinated. It's like older, you know, it's people who are like, you know, have access to the information who are online, who are like available to this thing. But like, I think there's a lot of misinformation being spread. And I don't think the Jones brothers are the ones going to help not spread that misinformation. But again, I do appreciate the reminder that Kevin is secretly the hottest one. Yeah, he looked great. He was committed. He was committed. Yeah. So in other news, in other pretty people news, uh, I I went to the Miss America pageant last week, Um, except it's not called a pageant anymore. Yeah. It's called a competition and they're not called contestants. They are called candidates. But nobody actually uses that nomenclature. It's <laughs> it's, it's it's purely marketing. Nobody, everybody, yeah. yeah, everybody calls it a pageant still. Everybody calls themselves contestants. Um, it was the hundredth anniversary. I have been obsessed with Miss America. I was obsessed when I was little. Um, and then I kind of came to terms with the problematic roots of the pageant, and you know, haven't didn't really keep in touch with it. And I wrote this whole piece, kind of unpacking my relationship with it on Rolling Stone, which you can read if you want. But I wanted to talk about how this year's competition introduced me to a new segment of TikTok, which is pageant talk. Have you seen pageant talk before? I haven't. I have not seen pageant talk, but I'm also not surprised that um, not only does it exist, but that contestants are, yeah, are like in on TikTok in that way. Yeah, this year especially, um, the competition partnered with TikTok and all of the contestants had to introduce their social platforms via TikTok. And I kind of went down a deep dive of some of their content. Like one of the biggest girls, women on TikTok competing is um, Sasha Sloan, aka Miss Utah. And she's kind of both exactly someone you would expect to represent Miss Utah because she goes to BYU and she's like very thin and blonde. But she also makes like absolutely unhinged Harry Potter content (laughs) like that, like just like absolutely unhinged. Something about Harry Potter and specifically the noble house of black that just lives in my head rent free is the idea of legitimacy and occlumency among sacred 28 families. Because we know that occlumency or other magic related to the mind is not taught at Hogwarts. The only time that we learn about it is when Harry is specifically tutored by Snape in order to protect his mind from Lord Voldemort. Yeah. And how um, old is she? Uh, like how old are how old is a Miss America contestant? Eighteen to twenty-six are okay. are the requirements. Um, so unfortunately, neither of us can compete. I mean, which I came to terms <laughs> with this week. <laughs> Um, And she also, she talked about her platform, which is immigration law reform, which honestly, like in the context of Miss America, which is extremely conservative historically, um, it's, you know, that's a pretty hot button issue. And she didn't win. She made it only to the top 10. But um, I think she's kind of representative of what Miss America would like to think is its new breed of contestant. Um, 
one that is, you know, very politically aware and feminist and very adept at social media. And like, of course, it also helps that she's very conventionally hot. Yeah. But a lot of it is like, like, it's not what you'd expect at all. Like, for instance, I'm, I'm really obsessed with Elizabeth Pierre, who is Miss Massachusetts. She won second runner up. She's a first generation college student. Her family's from Mm -hmm. Haiti. Um, and she used her national platform to advocate for Black Lives Matter and for lowering yeah. the voting age to 16. And she has a really great account. And on today's episode of What's It Like Being a Black Title Holder, we've got laying our edges before we meet with the mayor about the importance of including youth voice and decision making. Have a good day. And I don't know. I mean, I have really mixed feelings about it because on one hand, there there's so much inherently problematic about the competition and its roots, you know, the competition didn't allow, you know, women of color to compete for decades. They only elected the first uh, Black Miss America with Vanessa Williams in the early 1980s. Yeah. Um, I, and I mean, the idea of a pageant is like obviously inherently misogynistic, but I appreciate that these women are sort of actively trying to harness the power of social media to demystify what it's like to compete on the pageant circuit and also kind of like remake the competition in their own image. Yeah. I don't know what you think. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, how much can you actually change it or Mm -hmm. update it without completely scrapping the competition or like completely restructuring it, you know? And I think this is a great start. Like I think being able to like have everyone connect with all of the contestants on TikTok and on social media and also having them be able to like actively become more than just like a two-dimensional figure on a stage who like is you know has like two seconds to talk and wears a nice dress Mm. but like you can actually kind of get a deeper level of them through this I think that's amazing and being able to give them a platform to talk about that more is also amazing but it's like I feel like they just have to like completely restructure the competition and like completely change like what the goal of it is like what's what are they winning yeah, I mean, they have always positioned it as a scholarship competition, yeah. which to a large extent is bullshit because like you don't have men, you know, wearing tuxes and competing for academic scholarships on stage. Like it, the standards are just not the same for men. Yeah. Like it's 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 kind of an inherently ridiculous premise. But they have taken steps to change. I mean, they got rid of swimsuit a couple years ago, yeah. which a lot of people at the pageant that, that I talked to were extremely pissed off about. But I think most of the contestants were, you know, very happy yeah. about, and it's a step in the right direction. Um, they upped the scholarship prizes to $100,000. Um, and I think it's definitely an open question as to where the competition can go from here. I mean, in 2021, is it even, is Miss America even relevant? Like, are, are, is the pageant circuit, can it exist? Is that a thing that can exist for women in 2021? Um, yeah. And I'm not sure that I know the answer, but I will say, no. I will say that um, you know, I really loved talking to the women. I, I talked to the woman who ultimately won, Emma Broyles, who is the first uh, winner of Korean descent. She's openly bisexual, the first winner to be openly mm-hmm. bisexual. She's ADHD. She talked about the importance of medicating herself, which I thought was yeah. really cool. And um, I am obsessed with watching these clips of them waiting to announce the winner. It's really emotional yeah. for me. <laughs> So if you were on Twitter a couple weekends ago, to back it up a little bit, um, if you weren't, you got a good night's sleep, which congratulations. But if you did not, and you just stayed on Twitter and read all these tweets, um, there was a truly chaotic 24 hours online that happened. 
and started with one of those kind of dumb question prompt tweets that were meant to stir up a lot of virality and like anger and like weird conversation, which was this user classically Abby tweeted out uh, a recent photo of present day Madonna splayed out in a bed in lingerie next to one of Nancy Reagan with all our kids and her grandkids. And the tweet read, this is Madonna at 63. This is Nancy Reagan at 64. Trashy living versus classic living. Which version of yourself do you want to be? And clearly the obvious answer is Madonna. Um, We should also make clear that this is Ben Shapiro's sister. Really? Yeah. Classically Abby. Oh, Oh, you don't know know about Abby Shapiro? Oh my God. She's an opera. That makes sense. She's an opera singer. She's fucking terrible. And she's kind of like an influencer in herself. And yeah, this is sort of like her brand. Like she was, she, she was the kind of person who got like really pissed off about like Harry Styles on the cover of Vogue in a dress. Okay. So that makes more sense. Mm -hmm. Um, So the viral tweet was followed by an even more viral reply. So the writer, Zach Heltzel, posted a screen cap of a Village Voice article that quoted the biographer Kitty Kelly. And in the excerpt that Zach had posted, it noted that back when Nancy Reagan was Nancy Davis, she was known for giving the best blowjobs in Hollywood, making her very popular on the MGM lot. Which, honestly, maybe the only good thing about Nancy Reagan. Absolutely. Like, maybe the only nice thing in her life. Um, So once TikTok got a hold of this information, a bunch of incredible videos were unleashed on the app. I don't always believe in roasting the dead unless they are a vile human being like Nancy Reagan. So here's one with the overlay text reading point of view. You're a film director in the 50s and Nancy Reagan is on set. Okay, quiet on set. Roll sound. Sound rolling. Roll camera. Camera rolling. And act. What the heck is that? Is someone trying to start their car? Oh, this is the fifth time this week. Hey, that should be Can me! please get her off the set? It's not even roasting, though. Like, if anything, it's celebrating. Like, if anything, yeah. if anything, we should be, like, <laughs> you know, we should feel bad about celebrating such a <laughs> shitty person for their, like, Luck Luck 9000 skills. <laughs> true, 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 true. Yeah, it was um, it's some great content. I mean... It's like information that I think I had read once before. And it's one of those things where I'm always happy to see it again. In the same way of like, you know, like this past week, the Keanu Reeves Playboy Bunny costume thing went viral again. And I love seeing people learn that. Um, His mom was the person to design Dolly Parton's Playboy Playmate of the Year costume that she wore in the cover of Playboy. Mm -hmm. And he wore it for Halloween one year when he was a teen. Because he, like, his mom had the costume still, so he worked for Halloween one year. Okay, sorry, I have to Google this. There's no photos of it. I've, oh. I've searched far and wide, EJ. I've searched it at least every couple of months. I try to find them, and the so photos did, do not exist. How did it go viral but if there are no photos of it? He's talked about it in interviews. Oh. People ask him about it. Because his mom designed the He's, like, talked about it frequently. So it's old information, but then it comes back. You know, someone always posts a tweet that's, like, Keanu Reeves wore this. You know, it's always kind of, like, one of those, like, film fact tweets. Um, But he's talked about it in interviews. There's a really good Graham Norton interview that he did where he talked in detail about it. So it's like one of those like fun facts that I'm always glad when it comes back around. And Nancy Reagan being the throat goat is another fun fact that I'm always happy when when people realize it. Yeah, I love gross factoids about old Hollywood. Um, Yeah. Another one of my favorites is, and this is like, I don't think this was ever like, quote unquote, confirmed, but Marilyn Monroe 
like had a, her, her psychiatrist like released some tapes of their conversations together where she talked about going down on Joan Crawford and she said Joan Crawford had a screaming orgasm and I just think, <laughs> I, I think that's really funny. <laughs> I I always love the the Eartha Kit story of her threesome with uh, Paul Newman and James Dean. Oh my god! And how they should. You haven't seen that. Okay, so she, like, wrote about it or, or she did an interview where she talked about it. Um, but she was like, these two beautiful boys came to my dance studio and then we just, like, pleasured each other all night. It's, like, a very old Hollywood way of describing it. But, like... What a lucky a bitch! I know, that's, like... You know, you just hate to see someone live your dream. Well, there are people who... And even in response to the Nancy Reagan t- tweet, like, I saw people being, like, you know, this is really sexist to like roast somebody or ridicule somebody. Like it's very mid- middle school to ridicule somebody for like their oral sex skills. And which on one hand, like true, but on the other hand, it's fucking Nancy Reagan. It's like yeah. the worst person in the history of the world. If anyone yeah. deserves it, it's her. She sat idly by during two American genocides. So, you know, if she has, if we roast her, we roast her. And it's not, and again, it's We're not, not roasting. roasting her enough, actually. We're not roasting her enough. And this specific, viral cycle is a celebration. Yeah. It's a celebration yeah. of a person who honestly does not deserve to be celebrated. And we should be celebrating Eartha Kitt's um, Devil's Threesome instead. Gorgeous, gorgeous girls love Sue. Soup girls are the most popular girls in the chicken coop. I love you. You love me. We love soup. La-di-da. La-di-da. Soup queens. La-di-da. Soup queens are soup fiends. So gorgeous, gorgeous girls do love soup. The video that you just heard is one TikTok commenter pointed out. It changed the trajectory of TikTok. So you've probably heard that audio numerous times. It's gone oddly viral in the last month as a soundtrack to everything from people just sharing soup recipes and making soup to one video that I love of a group of girls tricking their guy friends into thinking that chicken broth that they poured into shot glasses was a green tea shot. The video was made by user at FishDress, whose real name is Serena, and Serena uses all pronouns, by the way. And it's a simple video of her sitting in a diner booth with her friend, eating chicken noodle soup, and saying that historic quote. So we love this video and the sound, so we invited Serena on the podcast today to talk about the video with us, soup, and viral fame. So thank you so much, Serena, for hopping on to Don't Let This Flop today. And before we talk about the video that we want to talk about and the sound that's gone viral, uh, we want to know a little bit about how long you've been using TikTok and how you would describe the majority of the content you post on the app. Well, I've been using TikTok for maybe like a little bit over a year now. Um, I feel like there was kind of this like collective like consensus that like, TikTok was kind of like cringe at first. And I remember a lot of people were saying like, oh yeah, like I made it and I made one as a joke, but then I just kind of like got sucked in and now I just like use it normally kind of thing. So um, kind of in the way that like musically was kind of like funny. I don't know if that makes sense, Um, but I started using it like just kind of like I don't know, like ironically, I guess. And it was a bit before it became such a like phenomenon, I feel. Um, I do, I'm like a doll collector as well. So um, a lot of the time I'll make videos about like my doll collection, like brats and like stuff. I have a YouTube channel about like doll collecting and things. Um, But 
Yeah, it's mostly like um, like doll content related, um, fashion, those kinds of things. Um, but then also like random stuff like me like making up a rhyme about how much I love soup as well. <laughs> um, so yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much it. So what was the origin of um, Gorgeous Gorgeous Girls Love Soup? Like, where were you and why did you decide to wax poetic on soup at that moment? (laughs) Um, Okay, so my friend Alana and I, which is the other girl in the video, we went to this diner and it's kind of like around the area that we both grew up in. Like when we were a bit younger, like I had moved. And this diner is so good. Like they make everything from scratch and like, like even like the noodles, I'm pretty sure like they make from like dough. Like it's just a really good place. And we were eating the soup because I... I love soup a lot. (laughs) Like everywhere I go, um, I always have to get a soup. I just like, I don't know what it is about it. It's just so like comfy and like, I don't know. I really like like wet foods. So I really love soup. (laughs) And um, I felt like I looked really beautiful that day. So I was like, let's make a TikTok. Like I look cute. So I just like sat the phone on the cup that I like of water that I got from the restaurant. And I was just like, thinking about feeling gorgeous and also eating soup at the same time. So then my brain just kind of like spontaneously like produced this poem, <laughs> like or not poem, but like a rhyme and, um, you know, it's just like gorgeous girls love soup. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was seriously like the most like, like, I feel like to me, the video is so like normal to me. Like, Like, my friend and I just kind of, like, talk like that, like, all the time, like, just saying, like, random things like that. So when it started picking up so immensely, I was just kind of like, why? Like, like, why do people think this is so funny? Like, like, I honestly, truthfully just don't even think it's that funny, but other people really, really do. Um, I'm wondering also, how was the soup? The soup looked delicious. Oh, my God. It's genuinely, like... Like, if you can just imagine the most, like, comforting, like, homemade chicken noodle soup ever. Like, it's just the epitome of that. And, like, it's, like, seasoned so nicely. And, like, they give you, like, a really fat bowl, too. So I was just like, oh, like, it was it was so good. And so many people have commented and been like, where is that soup from? And it's it's just from the most, like, random little diner, like, ever. It's, it's in um, this little town called Monroe, Michigan, <laughs> um, which is where like we grew up. So yeah, it was delicious. I wish you could try it. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> what are some of your favorite uses for the sound since it's blown up? <laughs> um, here, let me think for a moment. Um, I saw this one person, like, was, there was these two people, and one of them was playing a violin, and the other one was playing a harp, and they, like, orchestrated this, like, beautiful, like, like, symphony of, like, a song, and they just, like, spoke the words, and then, like, did, like, a violin solo. It was so, like, impressive and, like, immaculate. I was, like, there's been so many, like, very large brands that have, like, reached out to me, like, like Chipotle did and like I think like Campbell Soup like reached out to me and like Hmm. the like Refinery29 um and I saw like Fenty Beauty used the sound as well um 
And then like a lot of the artists that I listened to, like Slater or like Conan Gray, I think you referenced it. And like Bretman Rock the other day used it in a, like a caption or something. Um, so that's been really interesting to see that like those people are just like aware of my existence because of like soup. <laughs> it's just so <laughs> random to me. With all of that, with everyone, um, with artists that you love using it and the brands reaching out, I mean, I think something that is always on people's mind with virality is like, how much is the person who created this moment getting credit for it? And also, um, you know, profiting off of it because brands are using it, things like that. Like, has there been a, a change in your life? Are you are you profiting off of, you know, any partnerships with the brands or being able to kind of work with them? Um is there anything that anything like big happening because of the sound having the longevity that it's had since you posted it back in August? That's a very good question. Um, okay, I'm not making money off of it, unfortunately. Um, mm-hmm. I, I am not like signed in with the um, TikTok like creator fund. I tried doing it one time. It was like very complicated and I didn't quite like understand. So I was just kind of like, I just kind of like disregarded it because probably got distracted or something. Um, but in terms of the credit thing, that has been something that I've been thinking about because, um, you know, there's been so many like new renditions of it that have gotten viral as well. And it's just kind of surfacing everywhere. I, I see it like multiple times a day. And it's it's sweet though. I notice there's a lot of people in the comments that are like tagging me and they're like, credit goes to Serena, like da 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 da, yeah. um, which is really kind. Um, and you know, I guess I don't really know how to feel about that because it makes me very happy that people are like making their own renditions. But I do think within me there is this little part of me that's like, like, tag me, like, please credit me, kind of thing. Um, but. Yeah, a lot of the brands really, um, they just kind of will message me and be like, hey, like, could we use your sound? We'll credit you. Um, And I've also been like, please tag me. (laughs) Um, So in terms of things that have um, sort of sprouted from it, um, I mean, my TikTok, like, following has grown a lot. It's like around 30-something thousand now which is really cool and really interesting to me that that's a thing. Um, I get recognized like a lot, surprisingly. I was just at a party in Columbus, Ohio last night and it was like all these really like cool people and like there was like little like DJ sets downstairs and um, my friend Alana was there as well and everyone was just like, oh my God, are you the soup girls? Are you the soup girls? And like, we're just like, yeah, that's us. Um, so that's been cool. A few concerts we've been to, people have been like, gorgeous girls love Sam. Why do you think <laughs> the sound blew up to the extent that it did? I mean, the, the closest parallel to me is, um, you know, the whole thing with hot girls having IBS being like a big thing on social media. Like, like, am I overthinking this or do you see like this as part of the trend of hot girls like claiming identities based on things that aren't actually hot? I think... That honestly, like, hits the nail on the head with it. I I feel like, I feel like it's sort of the growing, like, I feel like it's become a lot more um, socially, like, not acceptable, but socially, like, embraced to identify as, like, hot or, like, gorgeous or, like, sexy. 
um, not in like, um, you know, like a, in a form of like conceit, but just a genuine like appreciation for one's like gorgeousness. Because I feel like in the past, it was very like, if you refer to yourself as like pretty or gorgeous or hot, like it, it would be like, oh, like humble yourself, you know, like don't get conceited or like, it was almost perceived as like narcissistic. But I think that with like the growing like push towards like self-love and like self-acceptance, I think that in a humorous way, it's just like more normal to be like, oh my God, like I look so hot. Like I'm gorgeous. Like I'm immaculate. Um, So I think the combination of that mixed with like the humor of it and also like, I think it's kind of like how I perceived it as a very random video, like the randomness of it, like combining like, like gorgeous, like girls with like, you know, like eyelashes and it's all very like, like glamorous and all of that mixed with just like the mere existence of soup is just like, it's very like polar, I think. So I feel like maybe that's why people like it. Um, As a, a fellow gorgeous girl who loves soup, I must know, what is your favorite kind of soup? Oh, okay. Oh, it's such a hard question, but <laughs> I think like miso, udon, and like pho are just like my favorite soups. Like something about miso just really like, I don't know. I feel like emotionally attached to miso soup. Um, but I also love like Panera's like broccoli cheddar, of course, mm-hmm. is so good. Um, I love like a chicken noodle soup. Honestly, I really want to like expand the the palate, like the repertoire, repertoire of soups that I enjoy. Um, what's your favorite soups? I I love um I like just made like a soup of Toscana. Like I like like a spicy soup. Like a kind of like hearty soup. And so I made that this weekend. It was delicious. And it's one of my favorites because I love the Olive Garden version of soup of Toscana. Uh, Olive Garden has like really good soups. I'm like, I have like a very like nostalgic emotional attachment to Olive Garden soups. And those are some of my favorites. EJ, do you have any? I'm thinking really hard about it. (laughs) (laughs) I love lobster bisque. That's probably my favorite soup. Also, Brittany, I love the um, the gnocchi soup from Olive Garden. Like the so good. Yes, it, there's oh my god, their soups are so delicious. Because um, they have the unlimited soup salad and breadsticks. Like that is like a good deal. I love I, yes. I love Olive Garden generally, but like their soups really hit different. Like I'd rather get soup from Olive Garden than like pasta. Same, like a huge bowl of it. Oh, oh my yeah. god, I'm like getting hungry now talking about soup. <laughs> so now it's time for our himbo of the week but this week is a little bit different we are not officially crowning a new himbo instead we are we are sharing breaking news with you all of a man that we've talked about on the podcast before specifically in our thanksgiving episode where we celebrated our favorite content creators you may remember Francis Bourgeois. He is a, I guess he was kind of a himbo of the week at heart when we talked about him. He's been one of my favorite people on the app, but he actually may be like a real life himbo. Uh So let's get into a little bit of background. So just in case you missed it or haven't seen Francis's videos, 
He does these really tender and earnest train spotting videos. He celebrates his favorite trains around the UK. Sometimes he stays up all night to catch them, um, including one called Dick My Butt. And <laughs> he, so most, he most notably um, has a, a camera strapped to his head that's filming him from like a really weird angle. And he's often very emotionally reclamped by the trains, like sometimes crying, like, you know, cheering them on. And you may also remember that he loves house music, which is a fact that tickled me. I'm train spotted on the West Coast mainline today. Coming up now is a class 377, Dick my butt. But I should have known that a naive and pure EDM bro does not exist in this <laughs> world. I should have learned that many years ago because it has come to the internet's attention that Francis is actually named Luke and is a roadman, which is British slang for someone who has fuckboyish tendencies. Do you know why it's called that? I was totally baffled by that. Um, I think it's like a very, it's a very specific type of London slang um, where it's like a kind of specific sort of like someone who really knows the ins and outs of London. Like there's someone who's like a road, like they're a roadman. Like they like know everything about London. Like they like kind of, they dress a certain way. Like it's like a lot of track suits and like, you know, it's very like athleisure-y. Um, I don't know the origin of roadman. I learned that word from Drake and I have like a very large amount of British friends, surprisingly. And I, I've heard it used many times to describe like people who I would otherwise just call a fuck boy. They have such weird slang. Like they have just so many like slang terms for different types of shitty men, like, like croissant, yes. boy, or like, I, I have more and I'm going to share them in a second because I was actually, um, alerted to this by my friend Dickie who lives in London. Mm. And I had told, he's a, a raper. And I told him a month ago, I was like, if you ever see, Francis Bourgeois at a rave, you have to take a photo with him and you have to tell me, like you have to immediately tell me. So he sent me like updates of like British press covering Francis, but he was the one that alerted me to this because a friend of his had posted um, the photos that went viral of Luke, Francis slash Luke, um, which are him sort of like with these like glazed out party eyes and like a buzz cut. And he's like usually very like buttoned up in his, TikTok videos and he has like longer hair in his TikTok videos and looks very sort of like mm-hmm. young and boyish and innocent. But in these videos, he looks kind of like a hot little bad boy. Yeah. In all of them. He looks and, like a, a One Direction member. Yes. And so when I, me and Dickie were talking about this and we were like sharing the photos and he does not agree that, um, that Luke is a road man. He says he's not a road man. He called him scally at best. Maybe, maybe a rude boy, but that remains to what be seen. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> What's he talking about? That's what I'm saying. I didn't even ask. I was like, sure. You didn't even ask? Those are the three things he said that, like, I just don't understand. Like, what the fuck is he talking about? So I I think they're all, like, so Scally is um, English dialect for a rascal or a rogue. Okay. And then Rude Boy, I know from the Rihanna song. Isn't it the same thing? A Rude Boy is, um, it is... I don't know, actually. Anyway, it's, yeah, it's another word, I think, for the same thing. So he's just, he's just using three <laughs> different words to describe the same thing British without language any is distinctions. Made up. British English is fake. Um, <laughs> so, he, um, you know, this was all over. I looked on Twitter and I was like, you know, people's reactions to it. People were heartbroken. Mm-hmm. Um, I was too when you sent it to me. Yeah. Someone said they felt betrayed that the UK's most wholesome man, as they called him, 
was maybe not so wholesome. And they felt even more betrayed because Francis Bourgeois isn't even his name. He had been using a fake name. So this news is actually a little bit of old news. And this officially broke after we had done our episode. So we had not seen this kind of development happen. But there was an article that the tab had posted where they had found his true identity because he had incorporated Francis Bourgeois Limited Mm -hmm. and the sole director and owner of that company was a man named Luke Nicholson. And when they had done some research on Luke Nicholson, they found out that he is a 21-year-old student at the University of Nottingham and also a model who has a bit of a bad boy aesthetic. He has like a full modeling contract. I hate that so much. And a whole other like Instagram and they found these photos. So (sighs) since then, Francis slash Luke, in the last like week, Francis slash Luke has taken to TikTok to discuss his past, totally owning up to a, a youth of gelling his hair, wearing quote-unquote roadman clothes, so Dickie begs to differ. And it was all just to fit in. He had a very lonely childhood. He had transferred schools. He loved trains. He posted proof of this. He posted proof of him, like, playing with his model trains as a kid, sort of, like, this history of it. But there was a point in his teen years where he needed to fit in and wanted to do that. He sold his model train set to get a gym membership. And, you know, he just was living this life. He posted the photos that people had shared and even more and owned up to it. And he said that lockdown in 2020 allowed him to rethink his dreams and reclaim his love of trains and grow his hair out. So he sort of was refining himself back in loving trains over the last year of of lockdown. And honestly, running down platforms and chasing trains really feels like the shackles are off and I'm totally free. I've met wonderful friends and honestly, life is so much more pure now I've reconnected with my passion. And I I don't know about you. I don't know if you watched the video. I did. I believe him. I don't. I showed it to another friend last night and they did not believe him either. Maybe I'm just, maybe I just want to believe in something. What's their theory? What's their theory? No, they just think he's full of shit. Well, I mean, it kind of goes back to, like, like we've discussed this before, like, with previous himbos. Like, these people develop these very specific personas and they get a lot of traction on the app by, like, embodying these very specific personas. Like, like with um, old-time hockey, who we've talked about. Um, The guy who lives in the Upper Michigan Peninsula. Like, he's a full-time influencer. And, like, he could very well be, like just like this guy and like have a modeling contract and be, you know, like have representation in, in LA and like go to saddle ranch. And, but like knowing that about him would completely take away his appeal. And I feel like the the same thing's kind of like happening here. Like this guy has built up this persona of being just like this pure train boy, but instead he's a roadman or a rude boy or a scally or whatever the fuck you say, whatever fucking made up word your friend yeah. used to describe and, him. I mean, I think I believe it because I I feel like it makes sense that he was trying to, he's young, he's 21. Like it makes sense that there was probably a period in his life where he tried to fit in. Because um, he's there's been interviews that he's done in the past um, that he's done like prior to this information coming out where he talked about the fact that he sort of had a brief period of his life where he kind of was just trying to fit in with people and he like lived a different life. Like he's like talked a little bit about the fact that he had sort of like a a different past and was able to get back to trains in the last couple of years. So it's not like he's been totally hiding the information. Like he's, it's been out there that he Mm -hmm. felt like he needed to fit in in some way and ended up, you know, along the way falling in love with house music and falling in love with like all these other things, but also 
needed to get back to trains in the next, last couple of years. So that's that's the only reason why I'm a little bit more of a, a believer in his story to a, to a point. I think he might still have some Root Boy Scally Roadman tendencies because <laughs> um, he does love house music. And I think he was really hot with the buzz cut. And I think he should bring it back because that was a good look. He's a hot guy. Yeah. He's way the, I, better looking than I would think a train enthusiast would be. Yeah, like the the long hair, I think, takes away from the look. I kind of like the bad boy look is kind of cute. Like he should stick with the buzz cut. Listen, I, I yeah, I mean, people contain multitudes, you know? Yeah, and I, I like that he did this video. He owned up to it right away. He responded. And, you know, we, you know, I, I cheers Luke slash Francis for finding his passion. And maybe this is us crowning a himbo of the week. Maybe he is a himbo. So cheers. <laughs> cheers, cheers to Francis slash Luke. Thanks so much for listening to Don't Let Us Flop This Week in TikTok, brought to you by Rolling Stone and Cumulus Podcast Network. Written and hosted by me, Brittany Spanos, and EJ Dixon. Executive produced by Jason Fine, Bridget Chelsea, and Elizabeth Garber-Paul. Edited by Dan Stein. And original music composed by Daniel Marksleft. <laughs>